From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jarrett J.B. Bull. This week on Bill Street Caravan... We've got Robert Allen Parker on the show with us today. That's right, J.B. Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we are diving into the world of classic rock with a little twist, featuring a musician who's not just reviving the sound, but reinventing it right here in Memphis, Tennessee. That's right, Pat. We're talking about Robert Allen Parker, a guitar slinger who's been making waves not only on Bill Street, but throughout Memphis. And right now he's out with a new record, The River's Invitation. Now, this record is a double LP, released on Parker's own Broken String Records, and it's not your typical tribute to classic rock. While Parker is known for his appearances on Beale Street, his work at the Memphis Music Record Shop, his ambitions stretch far beyond the blues. He's crafted an album that captures the pioneering spirit of classic rock while infusing it with fresh experimental energy. Exactly. Parker draws inspiration from the classic era of rock and roll, citing iconic albums like Exile on Main Street and Electric Ladyland as influences. But he doesn't stop there. He incorporates Eastern scales and harmonies reminiscent of Led Zeppelin, adding layers of depth to his music. It sounds like Parker is pushing boundaries and exploring new territory with this record. Absolutely, Pat. Parker's love for Memphis garage rock shines through in his straightforward driving compositions that focus on the essence of the song and the feeling it evokes. And with the addition of horns, wah-wah guitar, and soulful vocals, there's a rich tapestry of sound waiting to be discovered on the river's invitation. Wow, you just had me at, you know, horns, wah-wah guitar, and soulful vocals. Let's check it out. Here's Robert Allen Parker live on Bill Street Caravan.
Thank you very much. That was Robert Allen Parker live on Bill Street Caravan. We'll be back with more music from the band in just a bit. Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation, and it's also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. If Beale Street could talk, if Beale Street could talk, a married man would pack up his bed and walk. So wrote W.C. Handy in his 1917 hit, Beale Street Blues. Ten years later, Beale Street could talk. Its voice belonged to a ragged ensemble of guitar pickers and ballroom poets known as the Memphis Jug Band. The Jug Band featured a revolving cast, male and female, some were nannies, cooks, mechanics, and yardmen by day. These everyday folk made everyday objects sing. In the hands of the jug band, a washtub, broom handle, and string became a bass. Blowing into a clay whiskey jug took the place of a drum. Even a comb could be soloed on. They made the contents of a custodial closet sound like the circus mixed with a bachelor party. Raunchy, raucous, and fun. While the group's members, instruments, and sound changed wildly, one part of the Memphis Jug Band remained constant. Will Shade. Shade wrote songs for all crowds and occasions, from white kids' birthday parties to alleyway throwdowns. He was the group's ears and eyes. He maintained connections with the lowest dives on 4th Street and the most powerful man in Memphis. Each spring, the city boss, Mr. E.H. Crump, rented a luxury train car to carry himself and his cronies over to Hot Springs, Arkansas. They'd go for the horse races and celebrate the whole way. Crump hired Will Shade and the Memphis Jug Band to ride along and entertain. As the train rattled over the Mississippi River, Shade and the band set up in a corner beside a table where the boss's boys rolled dice. The boss's train car gleamed like a casino on wheels. Green carpet, brass fixtures, and crystal chandeliers. The boss's boys all had their flasks out like prohibition ended. The band wore matching white shirts and pants with shiny black shoes that said, At your service. They heard the dice cackle and the boys shout. They watched Mr. Crump himself stride toward the craps table. The boss was a sight. He stood well over six feet tall with his long white hair flowing. He said, let me shoot one time for $50. Nobody ever told the boss no. He scooped up the dice, rolled a seven, and said, that's all. The boss cleaned up his money and turned to Will's shade. Crump cocked his head at the dice players and said, the trouble is they don't know when to quit. Shade couldn't do much more than nod and smile. He could nudge back with his music. Shade thought Mr. Crump didn't know when to quit either. The boss personally censored the local black newspapers. He monitored the activities of local black political leaders. He needed for his Negroes to behave the way he thought they should. Shade signaled the group and they struck one up. Hattie Hart belted those cocaine blues. Cocaine habits, mighty bad. It's the worst old habit that I ever had. 
Shade and the band clowned and reassured the crump cronies that everything was all right. Jug band didn't mean no harm. But if anyone listened up close, they might catch some more meaning. Around Beale, all-night drugstores packed cocaine in little white boxes and sold it for a nickel. Cocaine-fueled crime. Policemen found little white boxes left in holding cells and even the witness stand at city court. It didn't end there, as the song went. Since cocaine went out of style, you can catch him shooting needles all the while. Coke hurt his city, but Crump let it go. Retailers all paid their taxes to the boss, and the trade flourished. It was ancient Memphis history. Shade remembered hearing the banjo players out on Beale Street when he was a boy. I went to Mr. Lehman about half past nine, said to Mr. Lehman, I only got a dime to get my habits on, to get my habits on. I went to Mr. Lehman about half past ten, said to Mr. Lehman, I'm back again to get my habits on, to get my habits on. I went to Mr. Lehman about half past seven, said to Mr. Lehman, I'll never get to heaven with my habits on, with my habits on. Shade found out Lehman's was the drugstore that stayed open all the time for the sniffs. He was in on the joke now. Right down the block, he heard another singer on the same thing. Sniff my cocaine, sniff it by the grain. Doctor said it'd kill me, but he didn't say when. Hey, hey, honey, take a whiff on me. He rolled the words over and over in his mouth. The doctor said it'd kill me, but he didn't say when. The song felt funny and carefree, but sinister. The whole approach shaped Will Shade's view of music. He realized that a few words said right could bring a whole scene, a whole story to life. He knew in his gut that a black man had to be careful what he said and how he said it. As Shade grew up, the rest of the world around him started clicking into song. He learned that white ambulances took people to the hospital, but mortuaries ran the black ambulances. Shade heard someone say, if they pick you up, you automatically did. He listened closely to Beale Street talking. They have two drivers in there. One driver take a needle and stick it in you. Feel your pulse and say, oh, he's dead. Come on, let's take him to the morgue. And that's the end of it. Shade composed a masterpiece around the story, a piece every bit as spare and evocative as what Ernest Hemingway was writing at the same time and just as real. Back on the train to Hot Springs, Shade knew it wouldn't be long before the boss said, play little Margie for me. The boss's favorite song, he loved that Margie, but he never got the title right. Shade delivered an announcement to the train. At this time, the jug band wished to cordially express gratitude to Mr. W.C. Handy of Broadway in New York for getting the Honorable Mr. E.H. Crump elected Emperor of the City of Memphis. The cronies burst into ear-splitting laughter, held their flask high, and took a deep drink. Shade had one more thing to tell Mr. Crump. Everybody on Beale Street knew Red Lawrence. Red bootlegged, gambled, and ran a speakeasy for black customers called the Bucket of Blood. Beale Street and the boss both knew Red's story. Red saw himself as an angel of vengeance after he lost his mother to a homicide, and he swore he'd honor her memory by killing no good cheats and tramps. The street called Red something else. It all came out one night. 
Red gambled in a dice hall run on the riverside at Mud Island by a guy named Willie Butts and his partner called Cut Deep. A free-for-all broke out and Red pulled his sleek silver 38. When the smoke cleared, Willie Butts lay dead while Cut Deep nursed a badly bleeding gunshot wound through the chin. With no more fuss, Red checked himself right into jail. He stood before Judge Harsh the next morning, staring the judge in the eye, pled guilty. Judge Harsh said ten years for murdering Willie Butts and five for wounding Cut Deep. But Beale Street barely had time to rejoice before Boss cut Red loose. Will Shade knew Red was a police informant. He was the boss's eyes and ears on Beale. He turned over the names of gamblers and his competitors in the bootleg liquor business. They got sentenced to 11 months and 29 days for playing a little game or pushing a little shine, while Red got away with murder. Red filled the county farm at harvest time. Shade turned the story into his most stinging critique of the Crump regime. He framed Red's story around the old Mr. Lehman's verse structure. Like cocaine habit, an ambulance man, snitching gambler blues exposed the world Boss Crump reigned over. Now that Beale Street could talk, the boss didn't always like what it had to say. Now I hate the snitching. Wasn't it good Lord hate the sin? If they ever give me any trouble. After snitching gambler died down, Mr. Crump sauntered his way over to the band. Shade saw the boss's eyelid fluttering. Mr. Crump stopped and stood in front of him, his bushy eyebrows bouncing. The boss looked down and said, Can you play little Margie for me? Nobody told the boss no. In a world that oppressed Will Shade's rights and suppressed his free speech, the jug band masked biting social commentary behind their raucous carefree style. No one else had the nerve and verve to tell Mr. Crump the truth. As the train from Hot Springs chugged back into Memphis and the band collected its fee, Shade realized they'd even made the boss pay for it.
bought lots of liquor. Trouble got thicker. Now, son is jailhouse bound. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. Caravan has brought the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. I Listen to Memphis is about Memphis music today, the people who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. iListenToMemphis.com. Bill Street Caravan is supported by awards from Memphis Travel and Tennessee Arts Commission. We're back, and for those of you who are just tuning in, we've got Robert Allen Parker on the show with us today. That's right, JB. While we've talked a little bit about the musical influence on the album, we can't overlook the stellar cast of collaborators that Parker assembled for this project. That's right. Parker's album features guest vocalists like Candace Ivory, Chris Stevenson, Lana Deering, and Jason Freeman, each bringing their unique style to the mix. But it's Kennard Farmer who truly stands out delivering soulful performances that elevate the music to brand new heights. Now, you named some of our favorite vocalists that have been on the show over the years, but it's not just the guest vocalists who make this project what it is. Many of the incredible musicians from the Memphis Underground were chosen to appear on the sessions for the record. They're the finest in rock, soul, blues, folk, funk, and indie rock the city has to offer. It sounds like Parker's album is a must-listen for fans of classic rock, and those are looking for something fresh, and innovate. Absolutely, JB. Listeners can experience the magic of the River's Invitation by visiting robertallenparker.com, Allen is A-L-L-E-N, and diving into his captivating musical journey. Well, Pat, I know what I'll be listening to on my next long drive. You and me both, JB. And for our listeners out there, stay tuned for more groundbreaking music from Robert Allen Parker, live from B-Side in Memphis, on Beale Street Caravan.
All right, y'all. We finna do a song from right down here in Memphis, Tennessee. How many of y'all like a little bit of Al Green? Y'all like Al Green? Come on, ride with us. I got a question for you. How many Aquariuses we got out there? We got anybody in Aquarius? How many Libras we got out there? Any Libras? Gemini. Cancer. Pisces. Sagittarius. Leo. Yeah, there we go, mama. But you know what I got to talk about this? I'm a ram, y'all. Y'all know what that is.
little Memphis music for you guys. All right, we're here on Bill Street Caravan with Robert Allen Parker. Robert, how you doing, man? Oh, doing great. Fantastic. It's it's a beautiful day in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, listen, the barbecue is always in the air, but this time of year, I mean, there's, an, there's a special kind of smoke that comes and sweeps all over the city. But you, you're bringing the smoke, too, when you're playing the guitar, man. Yeah, tell me a little bit about what's going on with you right now. Well, I'm blessed to be a guitar player in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, the, the center of music, as mm -hmm. far as I'm concerned. And I've just been inspired by the blues, soul, and rock and roll that's always circulating in the air around here. And as a guitar player, I get the experience of playing with so many bands in town, besides my own project. You know, I can play in a reggae band, I can do a blues band, I can do a funk soul band, I can do tribute bands. And that's what I'm doing, I'm just performing and you know, just spreading the flag of Memphis music anywhere I can. Why music? Did you come from a musical family? Was there music around as you looked out your window in your neighborhood? There were no actual musicians in the family, but I had two older sisters and, and my parents who all loved music, and they all had different musical tastes. My folks would always be playing classic rock. Uh, my sisters were into the 1980s new wave music. You know, and then as I was coming up, my first love was MTV and hard rock and heavy metal, you know, that whole world. So it was just cool to be exposed to all of it. And then when I learned my instrument, you know, I got into blues, but then I also got into just older music in general. Um, from like the 50s when rock and roll started through the late 70s. Um, there's just so much great music that was made. I think that was the golden era of rock and roll guitar, if you will. So that's where I always take my inspiration. Although I was born in 1976, the disco era. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that. Tell me about this this title, The River's Invitation. I, I, you know, I think that I could uh, try to decipher it, and, and it may mean many things to many people, depending on how it hits you. Uh, but what does it mean to you? To me, it's just a way of inviting people to listen to this album I've made, which is a variety of styles, but what brings it all together is the fact that you're, you're part of this river city. And what I mean by that is you can walk along the river through the city and you'll meet different groups of people. You'll go to different parts of town. And if you follow the river, you'll go to different cities along the river, you know, um, in Mississippi, New Orleans, wherever. And I think there's something uh, really special about music made by the, the river. Um, we've got you know all those roots, the gospel, the blues, uh, the soul, and it's a traditional music. And I think every artist kind of takes that tradition, you know, puts their self into it. You're not, you're not necessarily repeating anything exactly as it was, but you're carrying on a tradition adding your own original flavor to it. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about some of the guests on here. Some friends of mine, I know Candace Ivory and Lana Deering. How'd you, how'd you bring these people into your world? A lot of these people in the album I played with and just various gigs around town or band situations. And, um, you know, again, it's just a matter of everyone's so supportive in this music scene. People want each other to succeed with their projects. There's never that competitive Thing that you have in maybe Nashville or LA or 
New York. That's never existed here. I mean, even in the days of Stax and Sun Records, I think there was that community spirit. So, um, you know, all these people you mentioned, Lana Deering, Candace Ivory, Chris Stevenson, um, Richard Cushing came to play sitar. Um, great drummers like Paul Taylor, Brian Wells, um, you know, just great vocalists like Kit Kennard Farmer. Um, and these are people that, you know, we're, we're friends, we're comrades, but the music definitely makes your relationship that much more special. You know, that connection, I will admit, is something that you can't put into words. When you connect musically with someone, especially when you record it, you know, it just blows your mind. It's like, this is going to be around forever. Someone's going to hear this years after we're long dead and gone. And that's what I wanted to do with this album. And that's why it took like, you know, every bit of like six years to record and so much money and time and blood, sweat and tears. And then I pressed it on vinyl because I feel like vinyl is forever. That's the music medium that has survived everything. Uh, are there any collaborations on this record that surprised you? Uh, maybe a story that came out in the studio or maybe something that challenged you about fitting your style with another artist or something that pushed you out of your comfort zone in a positive way uh, that you, you'll carry with you into your, your next, next performances and projects? Oh yeah, totally. Um, the number one story that sticks out in my mind is the vocalist Kennard Farmer. And I met him through a mutual friend named Kari Wynn. And I, I heard him sing a little bit on videos on YouTube. So I knew he could sing, but I didn't know the extent of what he was capable of doing with his voice and what it would sound like in the studio. So when he came in, I had plans for him to record two songs. They were both traditionals. One was called Stealing. It's an old tune by the Memphis Jug Band. And the other is called Jesus is on the Main Line, traditional gospel tune. And he recorded those songs so quickly with such a powerful, surprising voice. And it matched the music so well. The intensity and energy was there. So after that, I changed my whole plans with the album. I had him sing on about, you know, a dozen other songs. And not just those styles. I mean, all of a sudden he was singing original Eastern rock tunes, you know, garage rock songs. And that's what I found is what, what I love to do is mix up people in songs where they wouldn't normally be found. Because when you put those different elements together, that's what created rock and roll in the first place. So that original pioneering spirit, that's what I'm trying to continue. Absolutely, absolutely. We're not in any rush to, to push you out anywhere else. <laughs> Uh, this work came out in 2021. We're in 2023 now. What can we expect for the rest of the year and, and into the future? Yeah, well, this album is an example of me in the studio. And I'm really a performing musician. I play live with a lot of bands. And, you, and you'll see me around town. And that's really where my heart's at right now. I love to go in the studio and record songs and to be original as well. But um, right now I'm focused on playing live. And this album took so much energy and so much blood, sweat, and tears that I just want to let it soak into the world 
for maybe a year or two more before I go back in. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always recording ideas for songs and writing down lyrical ideas. Uh, the next album is going to be uh, focused more on songwriting. I feel like um, now that I can bring in different singers, I can write any kind of song I want, right? Because you can have any range of vocalists or any style. So I think the next album is going to be um, even more out there. And I would like to say the next one's going to be my very last one under the name Robert Allen Parker. But, you know, we always say that. And, you know, you, you might get the bug again, depending on how long you're around. But, but as much energy as I put into these albums, I mean, I'm just going to say the next one is, is the last one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that means we got to really show up and support you with it. Uh, I imagine that some of the same cast of characters will be back with you on, on whatever happens next, but as you play around town, as you take in music, uh, are there any people on your wish list that you haven't collaborated with yet around town? Yeah, there's several. There, there's a couple of younger artists that are in their early 20s, a couple great singers. Rowdy Franks, uh, who has a country rock voice, and Sarah Spain, who has like this uh, this wonderful, beautiful, versatile voice that could work with really any style. And, you know, there's, there's this other guy uh, who's in his, I believe, I don't want to say how old he is, I don't want to guess wrong, but, but he's a younger guy. And his name is Dave Bricado. He's a great vocalist that I'd like to work with. And, you know, I've, I've met a lot of new musicians as well, so I'm, I'm just gonna have to make a big list and see who's available. You know? Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Well, we look forward to what you do next. Robert, thanks for being with us on Bill Street Caravan. Yeah, my pleasure. Carry me, carry me, carry me, sweet little thing.
Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Rob Allen Parker on the guitar. Make it funky, my brother. Come on. Alan Parker live on Bill Street Caravan. Listeners can experience the magic of the River's Invitation by visiting robertallenparker.com. Alan is A-L-L-E-N. And diving into his captivating musical journey. Bill Street Caravan is supported by awards from Memphis Travel and Tennessee Arts Commission. We like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. 